Peace and blessings, family. It is the Ratchet Righteous Goddess herself, Them Chakras. Make sure you follow the podcast anywhere you can find a podcast at D-E-M-C-H-A-K-R-A-S. Make sure you follow me over there on Instagram for your motivational minute each and every weekday at D-E-M-C-H-A-K-R-A-S. Make sure you follow me over there on Twitter where you receive way more ratchet than you ever would righteous at D-E-M-C-H-A-K-R-A-S. Family, if nobody has told you today, let me be the first to say that I like you and I love you. And family, we are in the safe space yet again. And before we get into this episode again, if nobody has told you today, please let me be the first to say that I like you and I love you. And family, our black ass business this week I would love to send a huge shout out to Christian and Georgia, Trap and Healthy, the owner of Trap and Healthy Family. If you need your press juices, if you need any type of assistance in getting your wellness together and being who you be unapologetically when it comes to your fitness and your physical wellness, hit up Christian at Trap and Healthy. That is T-R-A-P-N-H-E-A-L-T-H-Y. I couldn't spell for a minute, Trap and Healthy on Instagram and let him know the Dim Chakra sent you. Family, we are in the safe space this week with such an amazing guest. And I don't just say that because I've known him for my entire existence, but he is literally my favorite man, like my favorite man. And that man is my father. Daddy, how are you? I'm fine. I'm good. Yay. So um, introduce yourself. Let everybody know kind of like a little bit about you and then we'll hop into the conversation. Um, I'm her father, first of all, <laughs> you know. And my name is Jared. Of course, last name is Kirsten, same as hers. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm just here to do this interview because my daughter asked me to, and whatever she wants, she gets. You nervous? No. Okay. Okay. All right. I just mm-hmm. wanted to make sure you're not nervous. Okay. Um, so I wanted to talk to you because I can't say ever since I've known you, but ever since I've existed, you have always been like a gun connoisseur. Like it has been a thing. Um, you've been a person who has owned many weapons, but you've become so strategic in your collecting that I almost look at it like a career for you now. Like when my friends have questions or even if I have questions about just gun safety, gun security, um, where to go get your, you know, your, your certifications and things of that nature, the first person I come to is you. So when did you first start to, I don't want to say play with guns, but when did you know that you, you had this fascination with, with guns? I've had a fascination with guns for almost as long as I can remember. Mm-hmm. Um, it all started on Payson Street in West Baltimore. You know, me, Jason, Little Jarrett, uh, David Malone, all of us, we used to play cops and robbers. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And the guns that were out back then, were they were plastic. Yeah. You know, you could look at them and tell they were toys. Yeah. As we got older, we were still playing the same, the same game. Right. But the... Um, the guns started looking more real. Yeah. And we all started getting fascinated with it. Mm-hmm. And um, your great-grandfather, he had one of your great-great-grandfather's shotguns mm-hmm. in his bedroom. And I never told him, but I always went up there to play with it. It never worked. <laughs> right. it, it never worked. It was, you know, I nicknamed it Agatha because okay. it's so old. So, yeah. And um, I was always fascinated with that weapon. Mm-hmm. And that just intrigued me. Mm-hmm to get my knowledge up and and just start collecting or well back then it wasn't collecting right. just stockpile whatever yeah. and um as i got older i learned it's a lot of responsibility that goes along with it so talk to me about that because that's that's really where i want to kind of gear this conversation and not necessarily into the legal responsibilities of gun carrying but to the characteristics that 
a man, specifically a black man, should have before he purchases his first weapon. So, without, I first of all, my father's business is not my business to tell, but you haven't always been the calmest of men. Um, not, never seriously temperamental, but you you can be a hothead. Like my father has kicked stop signs about the ground, and so I I resent that. <laughs> I when you. When you first realized that you had this fascination with guns, from then until now, what has changed the most? From the from the hothead who first had the weapon in their hand to the man now who can collect and break down and to clean them as more so like literally like a career. What what mentally changed the most? I think it was seeing my friends die. Okay. Um, I actually saw what the the negative side of owning the gun yeah. and carrying the gun was um, the destruction that it could cause. That part. And that, that's what made me really change my ways and realize, hey, this this ain't just something to hold on to. This is something I got to be real responsible with. Yeah. And um, like I said, as I got older, I just learned to respect them more. Yeah. And then when I started at Morgan State University, mm-hmm. And I went over to their police department. They taught me a lot more about the responsibility of carrying a gun, owning a gun, and the responsibilities of anything that's done with that gun. That is That part, I think, is the most crucial because I think that in the moment, it might seem like the right thing to do. Like, this is a situation in which I feel like I need to protect myself. Let me go grab this gun. Let me go do what it is that I have to do. But it's the aftermath of that. It, even if you aren't like completely comfortable in sharing your story, is there ever a time that you can recall where something happened and the situation after the fact, when, when things finally died down, it was more chaotic than it was peaceful? Not necessarily physically, like there was any type of like, you know, retaliation, but in your mind, what was going on? It's, it's funny you should say that because there's one thing that, that happened that sticks with me to this day. And this happened almost 30 years ago. Wow. And um, I have to talk to myself mm-hmm. from time to time and tell myself you were protecting yourself. Yeah. You were protecting yourself, and I had to do what had to be done. Yeah. But to let all you listen, all your listeners and uh, followers understand, anybody out here can pull a trigger. Mm-hmm. It takes a strong person with a healthy conscience. Mm, that part. To live with it. That part. Anybody that acts like it don't mean nothing to them, mm-hmm. they're lying to themselves. Yeah. Because you're going to pay for it in one way or the other. Yeah. Whether you pay for it on this side or you pay for it on yeah. the other side. Yeah. And that's what I think more and more men and women need to understand. Because we have more women thugs out here now than, than we, we have, have men. That is so true. And speaking of that, because that's something that we we grew up with. So I grew up in a household. In the beginning, I grew up with just Chris and I. And we didn't really talk well you didn't really talk to me about guns it's something that I knew like I was like yeah my dad you know like he, he a real ass nigga he'd be out here but um, I was like five or six you know so it didn't really phase me any I don't know what the conversations was like with Chris but I know that the older that I got the more you were very 
um, adamant about making sure that your household was protected. So we had to be just as knowledgeable about the responsibilities and about those things. But you also talk to us like, listen, after this trigger is pulled, things happen after that. You don't just, you know, pull the trigger and then everything just gets taken care of, especially in a sense of I remember growing up there were times where you would go out like you, you and mama would go out on dates and you would, you know, be like lock the doors and you would be like, you know, if anybody comes over this threshold, you take their ass out. And I remember you being so adamant about saying like, let them get past that threshold first. Like let them get past the door. You were very, very, you were so serious about the way that things had to go down. And I know that it was for a good reason. And i the more the older I get, the more I realize now that you weren't just saying it because back then it was scary. It was really scary to think about because it was something that you would say often. And I know that it was probably maybe some kind of like paranoia or th- because you grew up in the hood. You grew up in West Baltimore. So I'm pretty sure that there was some type of paranoia there. But I also know that it was for the protection of your children that in the event that I'm not home, you need to know that even after even in this situation, that there are things that have to be done. And granted, they're going to happen so quick. But this is what you need to know so the minute that somebody gets to banging on that door you don't know who it is you don't put your head directly in the window but you need to see who it is is it me knocking on the door because something is happening is it the neighbor because it's a fire or is it somebody trying to get through this door in the event that it's somebody getting through this door let them pass the threshold but to think about that is one thing because it's a checklist okay look through the window make sure to get but when it's happening is look through the window make sure to get you see it's very it's very quick you don't very have fast, the, the, the time to to process it all, but you were so on it that you would put us through these tests. <laughs> My father, and I share this story, and I actually shared the story, I think, with Jay from Just Say Words. Um, I don't even remember how old I was. I remember we had moved and I lived maybe like 10 minutes from my school. Like we're in this, we're in, we're like this, what was that? Like the city county in the yeah, area. So we yeah. like the city county. We like Rosedale. That's where yeah, we were. Shady Spring Avenue. And my dad and my, I call her my mama. She's my stepmom. She's not my biological mom, but I call her my mama. So my dad and my mama had left to go on like a date or something. And my father always says, you know, lock the doors, whatever case may be, we gone. I was old enough to be home by myself with my sister at the time, with my sister Jordan at the time we were in the house. And she's younger than me so it's just us so my father leaves and i'm in the house we listening to music i think i fried some chicken or something like we just having us a little time i'm on the phone whatever and then it gets a little later in the night and it's this knock on the door and my father knocks and it's a certain like type of knock it's a certain uh beat that my father knocks that i know it's him till this day when he knocks on my front door i know it's my dad that part so that's what that is i know that that's my dad if nobody if nobody's knocking on the door that way and my mother knocks like she the police so i know these two <laughs> knocks specifically this wasn't the knock that came to to the, to the door that night so there's a knock on the door and i instantly like a dog my ears perked up and i was like god so the way that our home was set up is that there's a front door and there's this foyer like a foyer so you see the steps to go up the steps and then down the steps to the second level of the home so my stepsister jordan or my sister is standing at the top of the steps and she's like what was that i'm in the living room which is right there by her i said i don't know so i'm honestly the checklist started clicking i'm like all right my father said check the thing make sure to get a, all right i'm ready like come on like real nigga shit like my father i know so i'm like i know what the weapons is all right we gone knock again i'm like oh god that is real like i thought maybe they had the wrong house like i really got to do this all right so I'm like, breathe, Christian, breathe. So I go grab the gun, right? And I go to the door and I put my best man voice on it. So who is it? 
And nobody said nothing. I said, who is it? Nobody said nothing. I cocked that gun back. I was. I made sure we was good. I opened that door, was ready to shoot, and it was my father. It was my... And you know what this man had the nerve to tell me? He said, you did good. I did good. I almost <laughs> peed on myself. Um, and my, my mama is behind him looking like, I told him not to do it. I told him, I said... And my, I think that the thing that I appreciate the most is that... My father is willing to, in the event that it happened, he was willing to take the bullet. He was willing to know that his girls were so down packed with it that that was the risk that he was willing to take. But I thank you for that because that is how my household is run. My partner didn't really grow up in a situation in which like gun safety was even really a conversation, but he grew up in the heart of the hood over East. So I don't know really what the conversation was in that house, but I know that when we got together and when we moved together, like I told him, I will always be this person who will continue to evolve and continue to be this, you know, better woman and to be the best representation of myself. But I grew up in a house with a trill ass nigga. So if in the event anything has to happen, I have no problem with getting ghetto. If I have to blow you the hell away, then I got to blow you away. Point blank, period. And I'm not going to feel any remorse for that. And I told him, like, at this point now, because you're my partner, you just going to have to get on board. You're going to have to get on board. And I thank you for that, though, because it's something that I realized that not too many women have that conversation with their fathers, whether their father's in their life or not. There's no male figure there to teach them those kind of lessons. Yeah, absolutely right. The That's one of the things that hurts me so bad in this day and time. The guys out here. Yeah. They, they 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 feel that making a baby makes them a man. Mm -hmm. No, taking care of the family makes them a man. Yeah. If anything was to ever happen to my daughters, one of my daughters, any of my daughters, it would not be pretty. At all. Let's just put it like that. It At would not all. be pretty. I can't say what I would do or what I wouldn't do mm -hmm. because I'd probably still be in shock. Right. But all I know is that somebody is going to pay. Exactly. Because standing under you. Right. So what you going to come in their house and do something to them for? And that's the thing that I, I love the most is that both of my parents, my mother is also kind of like high-headed, but she real slick out the mouth. So I have this this dynamic duo of this woman who will literally threaten your life. But I also have this part of my father who follows through with the threats. So if I'm telling you that I'm going to do something, the thing that both of my parents raised me to do and to, to know is that I'm never going to threaten a person and not go through with the action because that's the empty promise. And I don't ever want you to make me out to be a liar. So if I tell you that I'm going to do something to you and I tell you that this is the time that it's going to happen, honestly, that's not me doing anything but forewarning you. So just prepare yourself for what's getting mm -hmm. ready to happen. But I don't start fights. I don't ever recall my father nor my mother starting fights. Like we don't go out looking for trouble. We're not in our house looking for trouble. We're minding our business, but just know that if you come through that door, hmm. what's your favorite line? You come in the door on your feet. You come in one way, you leaving out another way. You coming in walking, you going out land. And and that's on point blank period. I appreciate that though. Like I, I can't tell you enough how, how good it feels the older I get when I have conversations with my girlfriends when they say things like, oh, girl, you know, I wouldn't know what to do. I'm like, hold on, sis, let me call my father real quick. Hold on. Because so, you got questions, so let me, hold on. Even when my friends were in town when you had stopped by, somehow the conversation still just kind of comes back to weapons all the time. <laughs> and my dad is like, you know, because it's a legal thing. Like, my dad is he's, has a license to carry, so he's just not walking around like, yeah, you know, real ass, none of that. He's literally walking around 
license to carry and it's an education behind it that's the thing that i appreciate my father does not sit down and has you know just conversations but he can you know have those street conversations but he has those conversations and it's coming from a man who is reformed it's literally i grew up one way but i realized that this was not the right way there's a moral way to do things and Absolutely. this is the way that it is Absolutely. so i want to ask you what characteristics do you believe that a person not just a man but a person should have before they even purchase a weapon First, you need to make up your mind on why you want the weapon. Okay. The reason I say that is, do you want the weapon for home protection? Do you want the weapon for sports? Do you want the weapons for hunting? Mm -hmm. Do you want it for this? Do you want it for that? Once you make your decision, then you have to be real with yourself. Am I responsible enough to own this weapon? Yeah. Are there kids in my house? That's what I was getting ready to ask. What do you do when there's children in the house? You buy a gun safe. Okay. You know, your, your mom your mama, whatever you want to call her. Mm -hmm. She made me buy a gun safe. And I told her, what we need a gun safe for? We ain't got no kids in here. Right. And she said, yeah, but we got grandkids. Yeah. And when they come over, you never know. Mm -hmm. They're very, you know, they... they, they, Adventurous kids. Exactly, exactly. I would never, ever want one of my grandchildren to... I don't want to live with that situation. Yeah. I don't. So you got to be responsible enough to lock your weapons away. Mm-hmm. And also put your weapons in a, a strategic place, place. Yeah, that part. Where that you can part. get to it. Yeah. And don't think. I mean, please, people, don't think that just having a gun in your house is going to make you... Uh, Gonna make gonna make you live or or make you survive. That situation. Yeah. You have to you have to think. You got to think past that weapon. Yeah. Okay. If you can't get to your if you can't get to your gun, what do I do next? Mm-hmm. What That's do why I do? we used to run drills. We we used to run drills in our house. Like the same way people have fire drills, we used to have if a nigga run up in here drills. But I I say this as not just a black woman. I say this not just as a black person, but I say this as somebody who was once a black child. That was monumental, and it helped to shape my life i'm not a paranoid person paranoia is not a thing that i have i'm not a person who continuously looks over her shoulder because i'm worried about what's getting ready to happen i'm a very aware individual and i'm looking Mm -hmm. over my shoulder because i know that niggas is crazy so when i go out i go out and i enjoy myself but there are things that my father taught me when you go you need to wear all the exits when you first walk into a restaurant wear all the exits when you go into a movie theater do these doors work things of that nature who was the person that you purchased your ticket from and it's those things it's an awareness and i am thankful that i have this awareness and my friends sometimes even when we out they might say things like hey yo like you good and it's like yeah i i don't like to tell them like yeah i'm scoping out the place but that's really (laughs) what i'm doing i'm really sitting here i sit so that i can see the door you see what i'm saying and it's because i don't know about everybody's upbringing you can tell me your childhood stories all day long but i don't know about your upbringing but i know for a fact that i got my back and if i got my back and you with me then i got your back as well so if i can see what's happening i am more of a proactive person than a reactive person and i'm an empathetic person so i feel energy Mm -hmm. so if somebody comes up in a restaurant and it doesn't feel good we don't even get in the check we gone And the thing that I can appreciate about my father is the stern in his voice when things are serious. I know when his tone is more like, you feel me, like, you feel me, watch your head at at three o'clock. But it's another thing when he's like, let's go. 
when it's, it's, it's not let's go. And I take him at that. The thing that I also can appreciate about my father is the authority figure that he is in my life. Never once did he make me feel like I had to respect him because he owned a weapon. Never did he feel like because he was in this house and because he, there was weapons in this house that that made him the head of the household outside of having those weapons in the house. My father was a very hands-on father. My father very much in our lives, daddy daughter dates. I still very much know the multiple facets of a man, <laughs> but I know that if a man cannot protect me, then I need to protect myself, Absolutely. but I should not look for him to be my protection. I should always have a game plan in place. I'm going to let him be the plan a, cause that's really what you're supposed to allow a man to do in a household. But your plan B should be very strategic. You should always have your man's back. And I can appreciate the fact that my father always let me know you should never need a nigga for nothing, Absolutely. but they're cool to have. You know, Absolutely. like I can change the bricks on my car, I can change the tires on my car, but I can also break this magazine down and put that thing back together, take the safety <laughs> off of it and handle it. That I, I it's mm-hmm. a certain type of, of aura that beams from my father to when you meet him, you just like, yo, this nigga real, like he, he real. And I love that about him. And I love that you said that. I love that you said that. You know, you you have to think past that weapon. Yes. I want to talk to you about accuracy. When should a child or when should a person start going to the gun range? I took your brother when he was eight years old. Okay. And that's right around a time where, in my opinion, mm-hmm. a child can really start to understand the difference between right and wrong. wrong. Okay. As far as the weapon is concerned, a child needs to know the destruction that that weapon can cause. Mm-hmm. And they have to understand that there are repercussions from what you do with that weapon. Yeah. Um, me personally, I have um, come across some of those repercussions. Yeah. But at the same time, being smart and mm-hmm. what I was doing allowed me to um, get through them okay. more easily than, than others, I should say. Yeah. And... Um, When you when you when you when you're teaching your child, let your child know everything. Don't just sit up there and say, you know what, we're going to the gun range today. Mm-hmm. Like like today I'm taking I'm taking your cousin to the gun range. Right. But while you're in the gun range, teach them responsibility. Mm-hmm. Show them the destruction that that weapon does to that paper mm-hmm. target. Yeah. And if it can it can destroy a paper target. Your skin and bones are not much more durable than that piece of paper. And show them those projectiles. Mm -hmm. Don't just load the gun. Show them this is a 38. This is a 45. This is an Mm AR-15. This is an AK-47, which is what I did with him in the car coming over here. And um, I asked him, I said, have you ever fired anything this big? And he said, no. I said, well, you're going to fire it today. Mm -hmm. And you're going to understand what destruction that that bullet can cause. Yeah, yeah. I'm taking him today just just for information for for all your listeners. He is 16 years old now. Yeah. And he's my twin. Yeah, he is. He really is. <laughs> he's my twin and um I I don't want him to end up out here laid out on the street mm-hmm. somewhere. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to teach him responsibility and when I say responsibility, know when to run. Yeah. Know when to fight. Yeah. And don't be ashamed of walking away. Right, yeah. Because you walk away, it's just like the old saying says, he who fights and runs away lives to fight another day. Mm-hmm. And there is no fighting anymore. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I'd rather him run than, than be caught up in, in, in the middle of it. Yeah. But at the same time, I want him to learn that there's, again, like I was saying, there's nothing wrong with running. Right. But at the same time, once you get away, let it go. Yeah. Let it go. That's, that was, that, that's that accuracy that I was talking about. It's not just making sure that you hit your target, but being accurate about your information. Exactly. You know, knowing that it's not just about making sure that what you aiming to hit, you hit, but understanding that there are so many other things that come along with even having the weapon in your hand, not even necessarily the ownership, because we know sometimes you don't just come across a gun because you go and you shop for one. You see what I'm saying? Some people really be getting them off the street. Sometimes you get it from a homeboy. Sometimes you get it from a cousin or uncle. You know, they like, listen, you said that nigga beefing, but you go here handle that. Mm. But it's the accuracy behind that. Am I willing to go ahead and to handle this at this at this rate when in all actuality all I have to do is walk away? Exactly. I think that, that that's great advice. Exactly. You gotta think first. Is there is there a uh time or a story that you're comfortable with telling where either you knew to walk away, you knew to 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 go ahead and shoot, or even just a situation where you've come into in you know into interaction with somebody with a gun? Um, this, the reason I feel comfortable talking about this now is because I've, I've grown up and I'm older. Um, I'm not going to say what the, um, the final outcome was, but there was a situation with a very, who I thought was a good friend of mine at yeah. the time. And um, we got into an argument over something. And my thing is, what's mine is mine. Yeah. What's yours is yours. Right. Don't don't try to take what's mine. Yeah. Or don't try to... Um, don't try to, 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 to even grab onto what's mine and use it. Right. And then hand it back like, yeah, I didn't use that, you know, just yeah. sit it there. But what happened with that was I found out that he was messing with something of mine. And mm-hmm. I'm like, huh, we've been boys too long. Yo, what is your problem? Yeah. And we happened to run into each other one day and I talked to him about it. Mm-hmm. And I noticed that you, you used some profane language on his soul. Oh, yeah. Am I free? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So when we ran into each other, I asked him. I said, dude, what's what's up with what I'm hearing, man? Oh, we've been boys too long. We've been boys too fucking long. Yeah. Fuck you. That's what he said. Wow. He said, fuck you. I'm tired of living in your shadow. Whoa. And I looked at him. I said, my shadow? Right. You ain't got to be in my shadow. Set your own Ooh, priorities. Exactly. Let it Make it so people look at you and don't look at me just right. because you're bitch ass out there waiting for me to do something. Right. That's why they look at me instead of looking at you. you. Right. Well, that's why I did what I did. So you I ain't scared of you. What? You don't need to be scared of me, bro. I ain't never come to you like that. Right. Ever. Right. I said, so right now, dude, I guess I guess we done. Because I'm not going to sit up here and deal with this. Right. And he told me, he said, yeah, we done. He said, you need to watch your back. Because oh. one day, it's going to be me and you. Oh, okay. And I said, okay. It's like that. Right. One thing I don't take, I don't take, um. Uh, softly. Mm-hmm. That's a threat. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's that, a threat. That part. That's a threat. And um, 
I haven't seen him since that day. You know, that's all she wrote. <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen him since that day. We'll just leave it at that. Yeah. And, um, but as I think about it over the years, could I have done it different? Yeah. And I say to myself, no, I couldn't have. Mm-hmm. Because this man just told me yeah. that he's going to end my life. Yeah. When? Where? Yeah. I don't know. Right. But I couldn't wait for that. Exactly. Yeah, I couldn't wait for that. I exactly. can't let somebody make the determination that my life doesn't hold the same amount of, of importance that I feel that it has. I feel you. I think that's that's great advice as well. <laughs> is to not take one to not take threats lightly, but to understand the importance of yourself, and that it, it sometimes it does get to that point where you have to you have to weigh the risk. If somebody is threatening you for whatever reason, is it worth me walking away from this when you've clearly just told me that my life holds no importance to you? Exactly. Not just because you know me, but as a human being. You're literally telling me that as a human being, my life does not hold importance. At that point, then that is a threat. I don't care how you run it. I don't care if it's when I see you, I'm going to see you. I don't care if if, if in your mind that means that you're going to punch me in my face. In my mind, it is the extreme. Because, Mm -hmm. again, you're coming at my neck crazy. And like I said, I didn't grow up in a household with weak people. I grew up in a household where you say what you say. And you mean what you say. And Mm -hmm. when you mean what you say, you need to be able to back up what you just said. Yeah. And we're we're just not going to ignore that. We're not just going to bypass that. So I completely appreciate that. Um, the last thing that I wanted to ask you before we get up out of here is first first weapons. People purchase their first weapon. What are two guns <laughs> that you recommend that that is best for, I guess, first time okay. gun ownership? Okay. And I, why? I, I was getting ready to take that a totally, totally <laughs> a different way. Um <laughs> 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 no, I thought you were gonna ask me what how did I get a hold of my first weapon? Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> but um like I say again, it depends on what you want it for. Okay. Um Well let's say to for because a lot of my listeners are just people who are your regular, you know, run of the mill individual. They're looking to be a better version of themselves, but they also un- they they ain't always been saved. So, okay. you know, for be, having it in your household, what would you recommend for somebody? If you go into semi-automatic. Okay. And can you explain what that means? Guess I'm getting ready to do that right now. Semi-automatic means that there is no there is no cylinder in the gun. In other words, there's no barrel where you have, you have six or seven or eight different bullets right mm-hmm. next to each other. And there's a circle going around. Each time you pull a trigger, you go to another bullet, so on and so forth. Okay. Then there's semi-automatic. There's a magazine. That holds your bullets. Right. Okay. And once you charge the gun, meaning once you put that first round into the into the um, into the cylinder, mm-hmm. every time you pull that trigger, it's going to feed itself. It's okay. like a self feeding gun. Okay. And um, I recommend personally for first weapon a revolver. Okay. okay. Always a revolver for your first weapon. Um, that allows you the time to learn to understand your weapon. Mm-hmm. It's a lot easier to break down. Okay. A lot easier to work on. Mm-hmm. And it's just, and it's fun. Okay. Now, later on, mm-hmm. go to semi-auto. Now, cal- caliber-wise. Okay, yeah. Caliber-wise, um, in this day and time, ladies, men, start with a thirty-eight. Okay. Start with a thirty-eight. Um, they're small. Okay. Okay. That's what my wife has. Mm-hmm. She has a thirty-eight, And... Well, that's not her choice, but (laughs) that's not her choice. But she has a 38 and then you move up from there. Mm -hmm. Um, A revolver wise, next step up, 
357. Okay. Okay. Then 357, you keep going, you keep going up from there. 44, 41, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. As far as um, automatics, you know, semi-automatics is concerned, you have a, there's a lot broader ammunition. Uh, uh, um, what, what, what's the word I want to use? Availability. Okay. Okay. You can go 22, 25, 32, mm-hmm. nine millimeters, so on and so forth, on up the ladder. Okay. And and semi-automatics, you got you got one that's that uh, um, decock. You got decockers. You got. I'm sorry yeah. to say like this, but there's there's different types, and you just have to do your research. Would you be willing to? Because it's something that I want to work on. I want to work on bringing a visual aspect to the show. Um, if you could just, like, one day we get together and just show the breakdown of a weapon. Like, literally, like, loading it, putting it in, making sure the safety is off. Mm-hmm. Just gun safety in general. If you had if you had a camera, we could do it right now. Right. Okay. <laughs> so, we'll get together, though. So, we'll get together, and that'll be something. So, guys, definitely stay on the lookout for that. That'll be something that we do. So, before we get out of here, um, I like to do a segment called Roll One Up, Pour One Out, Pour One Up. Roll One Up is something that maybe agitated you this week where you just felt like, listen, I need to go smoke something. Pour One Out is when you just want to pay homage to somebody maybe somebody who has passed or maybe somebody who just needs some additional love this week. You kind of want to put them on somebody else's prayer list and then pour one up is just a libation, something that you want to celebrate. You want to bring attention to something you want to share with the world. So do you need to pour, roll one up, pour one out or pour one up this week? Me? Mm-hmm. Pour one out. Okay. And, um, I asked God to let my cousin Tanya into heaven. Mm-hmm. Your cousin passed away yesterday. Yeah, I day saw before it yesterday. yesterday. Yeah, I saw it. And um, she's dealt with MS for the last thirty some years. Yeah. And to watch her go from totally healthy to where she was before she passed is it's just something. So yeah. I like to really pay homage to her mm-hmm. because that was a strong, strong woman. Yes. To go through thirty years of multiple sclerosis. sclerosis yeah. And on Brenda. My love is with you. You know, my condolences. If you need me, you know to call me. Yeah. You know, that that goes without saying. But <clears throat> that's that's what I needed to say today. I'm glad. I'm yeah. glad that you said that. And I think there's something to say about um, just how strong people with MSR in general. So mm-hmm. to know that that's something that she was battling with. 30 years is a long time. So to be that strong, to, to get that far mm-hmm. is a, a huge thing. So we're going to pull one out this week. I love that. And before we really get up out of here and I close the show, I like to do a biweekly affirmation. So is there something that you live by like a like a strong saying or a mantra that you repeat to yourself often that you want to share with the listeners? It's basically from the Bible and where exactly where it is in the Bible, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Okay. And the reason I say that is because if you do good, good comes to you. There you go. And if you do bad, bad may not come to you. Mm-hmm. It may come to your your offspring, mm-hmm. and it may come down the line to your family. Yeah. So just just listeners, please just do good by people. Yeah. And if you do good by people, you're doing good by yourself. Yes, I love y'all. This is 
why I got my phone over here. Y'all see where I get it from? Y'all see? Y'all see? What? Yeah, I told you I'm going to have my mama in here too. So, but we oh, Lord. We oh, that. God, help y'all. <laughs> God, <laughs> help y'all. Y'all know that I love y'all. And I thank y'all for being here with us today to have this conversation. Daddy, thank you for coming and gracing this safe space. Thank you for having I me. I can't wait to have thank you back. You. Family, you guys know that you can follow me on Instagram at D-E-M-C-H-A-K-R-A-S. If nobody has told you today, please let me be the first to say that I like you and I love you. And I will see y'all in two weeks.